Welcome to Content Exploder. My name is Justin Siegel, and I'm a lifelong content creator and production and editorial expert. Whether it's working with the top names in music, like the Black Eyed Peas, Mary J. Blige, Cobra Starship, Christina Aguilera, and many others, spinning up full-capability 3D production studios from scratch with Disney, Warner Brothers, Rocket, and Universal, or taking on the tech world as a one-man production and distribution arm for companies like Gainsight, Front, Hopin, and Audience Plus, I have had a lifelong obsession with everything that happens behind the scenes of the media world. What are the origin stories of the shows we know and love, and why are they successful? How do they maintain their consistency yet continue to stay fresh and reinvent themselves? And most importantly, who are the incredibly skilled and oftentimes far too hidden creatives that make up the engines behind these shows? Where do they come from and how do they do what they do so well? I'm on a quest to answer these questions and more as we break down the hottest shows in B2B one at a time. This is Content Exploder. For those of you who are new to our show, which is everyone, as this is episode one, we'll take one show per episode and along with a producer, editor, director, or DP, we'll break it down piece by piece. On this episode, I dive into one of the longest running and most popular shows in the B2B SaaS world, Protect the Hustle, co-created by Patrick Campbell and our guest today, Ben Hillman. Ben Hillman, currently senior show producer at the extremely popular company formerly known as ProfitWell, now Paddle, has had media and content production in his blood since birth. Parented by Hollywood production insiders, he chose the path less traveled when he left Los Angeles to learn his craft at Emerson College in Boston, Massachusetts. Ben found ProfitWell soon after graduating and has been stationed at the company ever since, using those Hollywood and Emerson honed skills to become a literal one-man production machine, helping to spin up shows that we all know so well. Shows like Pricing Page Teardown, Boxed Out, and Protect the Hustle, among many others. Protect the Hustle serves as an exploration of the truth behind the strategy and tactics of B2B SaaS growth, hearing stories directly from advisors in the trenches. Protect the Hustle is one of Paddle's longest running and most popular shows, so I was incredibly excited to speak to Ben and dive into everything. Let's get into it. Thanks for appearing on the show, Ben. This is going to be great. Yeah, sure thing. Happy to be here. We're talking about Protect the Hustle today. Tell us a little bit about your journey and how you ended up doing what you do. Started uh, when YouTube was very young. Um, I don't want to uh, age myself too much, but I was in middle school in 2007. My friends and I were making YouTube videos, and I kind of realized, you know what? I'd like to do this. This is really fun. Um, had a bunch of dreams of like going to a proper film school. Uh, USC was the dream for a long time. Yeah. Um, and I slowly just kind of realized that, I don't know, I didn't really want to follow the conventional path. My whole family is in the film industry, essentially. Um, I've been very fortunate that I've been, I've gotten a glimpse into what that world is like. Uh, a lot of the friends that I graduated college with are in the industry now, and it's a val it's a viable path. Um, what I didn't love about it was that I knew that I wouldn't be able to be creating right away. Like I would have to pay my dues and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's uh, some fantastic creators that um, have gotten to where they are by paying their dues. Uh, the Daniels of, um, you know, Everything Everywhere on uh, Swiss Army Man went to Emerson College and now they're nominated for Best Picture. So there's definitely uh, a way you can, um, you know, go that yeah. the traditional path like definitely works. But that's the, I mean, you're talking a very small percentage of, of people that get to 
do that right off the bat without having to of course. pay the dues for sure. Yeah. And uh, um, so I found, I brought up Emerson College because that was the college that I found was it yeah. was, I grew up in Los Angeles. I wanted to get out of Los Angeles and see what the world was like kind of just not, you know, outside of my bubble. Every filmmaker um, in the world and, is trying to get to LA and you wanted to get of out. Of course. <laughs> I was trying to get out. Um, and everyone that I went to school with was trying to get to where I just came from in yeah. a sense. Um, but it was a, Emerson is a great opportunity because there's op, there's greater possibility of being a big fish in a small pond. And that's something that I realized when I graduated as well. I didn't really know I wanted to go into tech until I found like internships, like oh, this is something you can do. You can make videos for companies and, you know, not have to be a starving artist, just like trying to make your own YouTube videos. Um, and so I found Propwell shortly after graduating and um, Patrick and I teamed up and started working on different projects. Um, and one of the first projects we started working on was Protect the Hustle. How do you typically approach a blank canvas? What do you start with when, you, when you're asked to create a concept like this? It's interesting thinking about it from like a blank, blank canvas because there's almost always something that's like colored in already. Yeah. Um, whether that is a concept that someone has an idea or a show like, I don't know, desk setup reviews. Like, oh, we should do a show like that. Yeah. Um, or we should do a show that like samples different products or something like that. That's typically like where these things always start. Um, rarely is it ever just like inception. But I will say for this one specifically, most of the credit really goes to Patrick Campbell. Um, he had the idea from this uh, from the get-go. And it just kind of comes from, um, we can get into like, you know, why it's named the way that it's named. Um, but just trying to get to the root of why people are doing what they're doing or, or like the actual what in what did you do to get to the results? Um, specifically for this show um it's about kind of taking taking back so to speak the word hustle because it can be you know kind of uh you know a lot of folks think of it as like a dirty word almost like a yeah. four-letter word um and then there's other folks that like love it um and so really it's about this was about showing what are people actually doing to get the results instead of just like what hustle feels like it's kind of been co-opted where it's like look at how hard I hustled to get this thing. Like, look at the results of what I got, you know? Yeah. And it's not really talking about the work that goes into it. And so that was the focus there. It was like B2B SaaS folks who actually put in the work. Let's talk about that work. Um, and then let's make some kind of uh, field guide takeaway section um, with each episode that helps you become a better operator uh, instead of just talking about what did this person do? We do talk about what that person did, of course, because you can't really, you know, talk about the uh, how without talking about the what. Um, For sure. So, yeah, that's just kind of the general gist of it there. That's great. So tell me how you decided and ultimately settled on, I mean, you told us a little bit about the name ideation, but how did you get to the brand identity and logo design and, and has that changed at all through your time with the show? Yeah, it's it's funny you ask. Um, uh, has it changed at all? And I'm kind of like it, it's it's kind of stayed pretty much the same for a long um, period of time. And knowing that this interview was coming up was like really great to, be able to reflect on all the like iterations from that. Yeah, logo brand like huge credit has to go to uh, Dan Callahan um, for the just look 
and feel of this show. Yeah. You know, he made that first uh, teaser trailer that we put out there, which ultimately turned into the intro sequence for the video version of the podcast. And then the audio brand of it absolutely has to be credited to Patrick Campbell, who is a big 90s hip hop kind of guy. Awesome. Um, we used to have a Profit Well shirt back when we were Profit Well uh, before Paddle. Um, we had shirts called that were Cloud Rules Everything Around Me, a riff off of the Wu Tang, you know. Uh, cash rules everything around me. Sure. Um, and that was a, you know, it's, it's a big influence of, um, I, I touched on this a little bit, but like part of what we wanted to do was take, you know, here's what you're familiar with, with what hustle means. And like for some hustle is, you know, similar to um, hip hop and rap from like the nineties of like, you know, I had a hustle to like get that cash or, or something, something like that. Like that's just kind of what it's been taken to mean. And so we're, let's start there with what people know and let's just kind of bring them in like that and flip it on its head in a sense of like let's let's get into that hustle like okay what is that hustle actually doing and it's not something like hustling in a pool hall or something yeah. like that it's like uh trying to get into the the work that's actually done there and so that was like kind of where that came from um and then visually you know I, it sounds silly when i talk about it but it's like the um, static imagery and like the fuzz and the the grunge sort of um, element uh, is about like cutting through the noise. Um, but specifically, I would say not like um, organic noise, but truly that like noise from like the internet or even just from signal, you know, signal yeah. noise in the sense. Um, and so a lot of the visual branding is centered around that where it's like a lot of static imagery of the, you know, you have clarity when... Uh, you're listening to the interview um, and the intro and outro stuff like that are centered around that you know noise framing device so to speak some of the stuff I'm actually just kind of realizing as I say it uh, so that's this is a great way to go back and look at it for sure and it's amazing when you know I mean a great designer puts a lot of purpose behind what they do and shout out to to you know our designer audience plus Brock I mean he's He's amazing. He branded this show. He's branded every, you know, pretty much everything we've done. And he puts that kind of purpose and that meaning behind everything. And it's, it's cool when you have a show and it, you know, if you have a great design, it could actually bring a lot to the show itself. Um, and it sounds like that certainly was the case here. Of course. How did you decide on the, the format initially and how's it changed from then to now? That has changed, um, more than any other show that we've worked on. I would say protect the hustle has changed. For anyone who is a fan of the show since its beginning, we did video with all of them. Um, and it took us like, I think a little over a year and a half to get like a first season done. Uh, we were pretty loose, fast and loose with like, what is a season? What is an episode sort of thing? Um, and the format initially was, let's do, you know, that little teaser thing of like something from the episode. But I would say the biggest differentiator that we had was like, let's cut out all the elements of the conversation that are like just you know, banter or something like that. Occasionally we'd leave them in like if it was just kind of too baked into what they what the other stuff they were talking about. Um, but it would be kind of taking it and, and talking and leading up to like the final piece and, and and guiding through the whole story of whatever they were talking about. Like sometimes you talk about the most important thing in the beginning of a conversation. And so our purpose or what we would try and do is lead up to that thing through like, you know, editing and, uh, you know, talking and using something else that 
later on in the conversation, we would actually put it at the beginning. Um, and so the conversations, you know, Patrick would interview someone and then we would go back and Patrick and I would be in office in studio, so to speak, um, and would talk about like, here's what you're about to hear. And here's what you should like, kind of keep in mind and listen to it. We would play the clip and then we would come back in and, uh, you know, reflect on what was talked about and then present the next thing. Cool. So on and so forth until the end where it would be that wrap up. Um, there's some, there's some fun facts I can get into about like kind of, uh, behind the scenes look at, uh, that sort of thing, but that's just kind of the rough format. Um, and we send it out with like an email with, uh, here's like all the points that we hit on in the episode. That's great. Yeah. And I love that you, you know, we're thinking about distribution, um, in terms of that email, because the reason that a show will fall flat is because they're thinking about the show, which is important, really yeah. important, but equally maybe more important is that distribution and that the fact that you guys were thinking of that right off the bat, I think is really impressive. Yeah. And, uh, I know you've asked like, how did it evolve? And, um, it evolved, uh, pretty drastically in the sense that we stopped doing video because, mm -hmm. uh, the first, probably the first season for the, for the majority was we were trying to put these out once a week. Wow. And yeah. just due to scheduling and whatnot, like sometimes we couldn't film until the day before we had to, uh, we were going to release it. And those sections that Patrick and I were, you know, were in the studio talking about what you're about to hear. I think I mentioned this was like early on in my career when I started. I didn't really know about SaaS, uh, let alone like B2B SaaS. Yeah. And so Patrick did a lot of F, had a like tremendous amount of work trying to make me sound like I uh, knew what I was talking about. <laughs> um, so we had little like monitors off, like, you know, I would be looking over here, but I'm actually looking at a monitor. Yeah. Um, and uh, I would be reading essentially verbatim what um, Patrick had written. And I understand why we did it for sure. Like I said, I didn't know what I was talking about. Um, but we kind of just through that creation and through a bunch of uh, 24 hour days for me where I would stay up until like, you know, the hour before we were sending it and mm -hmm. then send it and then, you know, sleep for like a couple hours. Um, uh, that was too much. I mean, that was, that was like, in a sense, it was the opposite de definition of hustle that we were going for. It's like, this yeah. it was the definition of hustle that like we were trying to get away from, yeah, sure. um, where it's like, Oh, you just got to like grind and like get through it and that whole thing. Yeah. Um, and so it's just evolved into being an audio only podcast because we just weren't really seeing the return on investment from like the video side of things. Um, I'm definitely interested in trying that out again, maybe in a reduced capacity. Um, but yeah, we just, uh, it's, it's audio only. Um, it's, we, we've taken away those like kind of, uh, discussion points where like we talk about, here's what you're about to hear, here's what you heard, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's more of a straight up interview, uh, where we focus more on that distribution side of thing of like, what are you actually going to take away from this? And trying to make yeah. those guides on uh, that include information on how you can do the thing that the guest is trying to help you how to do. Yeah. You know, we talk about the why, we talk about the thing itself, but we don't talk about the how. Yeah. Um, so providing that is awesome. How long before you started to see the show start to gain in popularity? And what do you attribute that to? Not long at all. Um, I mean, it helped that our first episode was Patty McCord of Netflix. So like... yeah. I mean, we had, uh, do it. 
Yeah, I, I think I'm getting the timeline right where like our, I believe our first show, you know, we had Profitable Report and Pricing Page Teardown already going. So we had a little bit of an yeah. audience like already um, somewhat created. Um, but it really helps that we had big names to go. Um, yeah. To go with that. I mean, a huge part just has to do with the, the caliber of guests that we got. We had um, Patty McCord, of course, as our first uh, guest who... Mm-hmm. from netflix that's a big name yeah we had brian halligan from hubspot i believe that was our second episode which is pretty massive um garish from freshworks uh was mm-hmm. crazy successful um yeah just from like that in- indian audience like was super valuable to like uh the initial success of that show um we actually went to chennai to film that episode and i think that it wow. probably helped being a video interview seeing it's like that's oh yeah cool. These guys are there right now, um, yeah. so yeah, that's um, that I, I, it honestly is just name recognition was uh, the probably what started our like kind of got the ball rolling. Was there sort of a secret sauce to getting those guests, or had they heard about the company through the other shows, or was it just uh, you know Patrick's network? How did how did those guests come to get on the show early? Because that's I think that's a struggle for some people as they right. go to book guests and it's hard for them to keep a regular cadence never mind book guests of that caliber early on of course yeah i mean a big part was just patrick having that network already of folks that like you know he's 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 one of the hardest workers i know probably the hardest yeah. worker i know and through doing through like giving all this like free advice to so many different people um let i mean you know he's also doing his job as well uh but just establishing that network of different creators um, so that's something that obviously difficult to replicate unless you actually go out and do the work yourself. But I would say a huge differentiator that helped us a lot was, and again, this is partially because of the nature of Patrick's job, but we were able to go to where these people actually were. Um, For sure. Patrick is invited to do a lot of different like talks all around the world. And so I'm fortunate enough that I got to travel. I think I got, um, I need uh, one more continent. I think I just need to go to Antarctica. Um, wow. and then I've, I've hit them all. That's amazing. That was like a, absolutely a huge thing. Cause we could go to these different conferences, um, and not only interview folks that were at the conferences, uh, but we would be in whatever city that was. So like I mentioned, yeah. we were in Chennai and, um, we weren't even doing anything, uh, or no, we were at the Freshworks office. Um, and so Garish like was happy to do an interview with us. It's like how many folks actually go from the U S to Chennai to like, see yeah. you and so i think mm-hmm. that's a big thing that we've tried to like keep at a core to the podcast like even still is just like these aren't just personas that we're talking to and our audience isn't a persona they're real people so like what can we mm-hmm. do to treat them like with the respect that they deserve can't always go to like where they are but like even just i don't know little things whether it's just knowing what they're talking about and knowing who they are knowing what their company is about um i think is extremely valuable that's great insight and what's your what's your tech stack for the show, software and hardware? And has it changed from when you first started? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it definitely changed because we went from video to audio only. Um, but uh, we started out by shooting on two GH5s um, to get the little, uh, the front angle and then one of the side angles and then uh, G7 that I have, Panasonic for those who mm-hmm. uh, aren't aware. Um, Horrible with autofocus. I don't recommend them if you're trying to get anything that requires autofocus, but if you're just locking off focus, shooting, they're great for that. 
standard film lights, nothing anything special there. And then uh, Audio-Technica AT2020 microphones. Nice. Um, we didn't we didn't quite get to the uh, Shure SM7 uh, at that point, um, but I I love them. They're they're pretty reliable microphone um, and fairly affordable um, for what you can get out there. Uh, yeah. And now it's now we've graduated to you know we're using Riverside um, to record yeah. interviews primarily remotely, um, but we still do occasionally do videos at conferences. Um, Saster and Sastark are huge, um, and it's a great opportunity to franchise the brand a little bit. It's like, hey, mm-hmm. protect the hustle live interview, um, and so we'll do those, and we'll we'll film with like a GH five and just kind of punch in, pan and scan for the different angles of the show. Very cool. I love that format where you take the show and you travel it to conferences. And I yeah. mean, I think that keeps it really exciting. And it's so exciting for people who are fans of the show to be able to see that live. That's very cool. Of course. Yeah. How do you organize the production from week to week currently? And what are some best practices and tools that, you, that you've that you learned uh, throughout your time that you lean on? Strategy number one is charge your batteries. <laughs> Noted. Yeah. So uh, word of the day, definitely batching. Um, batching has been super valuable for us. Even just like I was talking about, when we go to conferences, we can record, um, I think at Saster, Sastock this year, we recorded like nine interviews. Wow. That's amazing. And with, for a weekly show, we're, that's, that's nine episodes right there. That's nine, nine weeks of content that we have, um, that we can send out to folks. And that's also where you're yeah. going to get like some folks that are those like maybe more well-known People, whether you're it's a uh, uh, Godard from uh, G2 or April Dunford, um, who is definitely one of my favorite episodes. We're having her back again, um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, that just being able to record a bunch of interviews is super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think finding those we have a pretty good sense of like who our audience is. You know that C-suite um, director level up. You know, I'd say executives, um, B2B SaaS executives. Uh, and so being able to reach out to folks, um, whether it's just on LinkedIn or through like various networks, um, it's not super hard for us to book guests now because we've just been doing it for so long that we're getting a lot of inbound. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and it's helpful that when we reach out to folks that maybe are uh, a little bit bigger name, they've probably heard of us because mm-hmm. our show is, fortunately, I'm not doing my own horn here, I, I swear. Just longevity wise, we've been around, so they've probably heard of us. Sure. Well, it's the quality as well. I mean, you guys put out such a great show. You do it consistently. Like you said, you were the innovators in this space. Thank um, you. you know, Patrick for where he is, but also you. When I went to put the show together, you were number one on my list of people to talk to because the production role is pretty new, I would say, generally, in especially in B2B SaaS, I mean, in this corner mm-hmm. of the universe, right? And I feel like that's going to become, it, it's going to become necessary for these companies as they become like media companies. In, in my opinion, a full stack production marketer is the first hire, right? Because there's a lot you need to do that you just don't know about. And it's insurmountable, in my opinion, without someone who knows what they're doing. And you were really the first. So it's such a big deal that you've been doing this this long and had the success that you have and continue to have. Um, and like you just said, you know, you guys can pretty much call up anyone in this world and they're going to be super stoked to be on, on your show because of what you guys have built. So I think it's incredible. I appreciate that. Yeah. And it's, um, I don't know if this is the audience. It's like watching, uh, your show, but yeah, I, 
strongly encourage like anyone that's very early on in their career, um, even if you're not, you know, I, I really would love to go back to Emerson to like be able to talk to students there that are maybe like, I don't know about this whole, you know, film business thing. Like I like making stuff and I don't want to just like, I don't want to be stuck getting coffee for folks like for, yeah. you know, a couple of years. Again, I'm not judging it. A lot of my friends have gone through that themselves, but this is like, this is a growing opportunity. And as more and more folks are trying out this model, you're just going to see more opportunity for uh, people with my background, at least to be able to make a mark right off the bat. I know that I took a bunch of different classes at Emerson that were like, like I didn't have a singular focus. And part of me was a little bit worried that like, oh no, I'm not going to be like an editor or I'm not going to be like a production designer or something, something like that. But yeah. You know, I was afraid of the uh, experience being a mile wide, but an inch deep. And in some instances, that's like where I struggle. But in this role where you have to be able to wear multiple different hats, it's super valuable. And it's really fun because like I get to write things, I get to film things, I get to act in things. So yeah, it's pretty great. I agree. The sort of lack of resource, it, it turns us into very interesting and uh, resourceful production people because you have sure. to do all these things yourself and you don't want to do them halfway. So if you need to act in a video, like you're going to do the research and you're going to, you're going to do everything you need to do to make it great. Cause you know, the difference, especially you, because you come from, uh, you, you know, your entire family seeped in the, right. in the film. world. So <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I take your point. I think you're, you're totally right. And I think it's a super exciting space and I think we're lucky to be, to be in it. Absolutely. How do you continue to innovate on the show? You know, obviously you guys are keeping the same format for the moment, but like, how do you guys keep it fresh? especially having done this for so long. So I'm working on um, the next season right now. I think this is season five. Uh, so it's been five years um, since we started. And I'm actually thinking about introducing some of the stuff that we actually gotten rid of. I don't know as we'll be doing video versions of the podcast like right off the bat, uh, but that's definitely something that I would like to uh, start exploring, experimenting with, seeing if we can try that. But even just format-wise, potentially reintroducing... Um, we like to call this show the podcast that takes notes for you um, and reintroducing that element um, where Patrick and I, you know, had the little interludes where we would say, this is what you just heard this is what you're about to hear. And maybe you could see it as like handholding or uh, hopefully it doesn't seem like we're babying the audience, but really it's, it's more about like, Hey, this is like the super important thing that we just heard. Like, here's a little bit more color to that and maybe some research that backs that up. Um, so I'm hoping that I can introduce even just a little bit of like saying, Hey, here's what you just heard here's what we're about to talk about next, as well as we're looking at changing up how we do our social clips. Um, that's definitely been a pretty hard thing to unlock. Like as far as how do you make a social clip for a podcast that isn't just two people talking like, and a clip, a clip from that episode, you know, like, yeah, I think right. that you can kind of build up that, uh, that over time, just like you get in people's feeds and, you know, familiar and maybe one of those will get someone to click through, but especially like getting someone that sees a show social clip of me and you talking on LinkedIn to then go off of LinkedIn, go to whatever podcast app they have, find the podcast and listen to it. I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure it's happened with our podcast. Uh, and yeah. for the record, we do make podcast clips of two people just talking and then like, Hey, go listen to the full podcast. But sure. we understand that it's like, you're probably that you're probably not going to like get someone to click like on every single 
chocolate. It's really more just like the more that they see it, familiarizing them with the brand. That's right. And so I think what we're looking to try more is like, like social first content where it's mm -hmm. like, you can yeah. get everything that you need from whatever we're trying to tell you from the clip itself. Like no click content. Exactly. Right. You're not yeah. clicking away from, from where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're going to try, we don't have a whole bunch of bandwidth, but we're going to try and see what we can do. Um, whether it's like, you know, short form on TikTok or YouTube short stuff like that, that you can actually just get an interesting thing digestible right there uh, and you don't have to click go somewhere else. So. Yeah, I love that. And I think that the TikTok algorithm has given us a really interesting way to make short form content discoverable. I mean, you know, you hit the right hot button um, and that could be any, you know, the any subject, any topic. And someone who isn't following you, has no idea you exist, you know, has a pretty good chance of seeing what you're creating, especially the more niche you go. And I think that's really exciting. And the more that we make these things for these algorithms and, you know, specifically shows for TikTok, I think are really cool shows for Instagram. I think the more interesting it's going to get and the more the audience will, you know, will build. And I think that that's the point here, right? We're all about building audiences. For sure. And whether you want them to migrate to your, you know, own media platform, or you're interested in amassing them on a rented platform, even though we don't love that, I think it's still an exciting way to do either. Yeah, and you got it's about winning the hearts and minds of of your audience right. where they're they're going to be people are going to be where they're going to be. I can't make you subscribe to my email list as much as I would like that. You know, obviously it's yeah. much easier for us to sell to someone in our email list than it is to yep. sell to someone that's on TikTok. But I think it's about in my mind the media uh the media centered model, uh the media company model um is really about it's not a piece of the funnel making this media. Yeah. Like the protect the hustle isn't isn't like top of the funnel content. It is it is the funnel. Like everything That's that we're right. making is a portion of the funnel funnel where we're talking yep. to folks that have never heard of us. We're talking to folks that are familiar with us. We're talking to folks that are diehard fans. Like yep. it's all portions of it. And so yeah, I think I I think we're starting to realize that, which I don't know if it's too late or um if it's, you know, we're early enough on here, but uh just understanding that has been a huge unlock. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, what you said is so important. I, and I think not enough, um, I think the content marketers are starting to realize it. I know that we're starting to realize it. And I think, you know, it would behoove CMOs to start recognizing that there is an audience funnel and it's super important and um, it relates to their business in a big way and they'll get left behind if they don't figure that sure. out, you know. Happens in other, in other rooms, but I think, you know, I, I'm excited for those conversations to be had. Yeah. All right. So we're going to take a walk on over to uh, to my favorite corner of the room, Tech Corner. Tech All right, man. Tell us uh, what your favorite piece of gear is. Keyboard Maestro. So, does software count? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Keyboard Maestro. Um, you can, uh, I have an old iPad from like generation one um, and I have a uh, audio I forget what it's called. Something you like plug in and it's like MIDI command stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and you can command, you can program in little like shortcuts basically to make editing uh, much faster. Fantastic. That's great. Uh, recommended low tech, low cost setup. Your phone. I mean like it. Love it. I, I know that that's like kind of a, a tired answer for folks that are in video themselves, but like really. No, it's really good. I wouldn't focus on the tech first. Like if you're starting to make something right away focus on your audience first your uh 
then you're well i would say focus on the content itself first um don't don't even worry about what gear you have um but then once you're thinking like about technical specs i would say then audio first um that's at least my point of view lighting second and then whatever camera you have after that yeah that's great really really good good advice don't let anything stop you from creating Not because all. they literally made it so easy they put <laughs> a camera an audio device in the palm of your hand so that's right. great great advice on the other end of that spectrum recommended do you do you have high-tech setup that you love yeah i mean i'm a sucker for it's it's i don't even know if you can call it high tech anymore just because it's like from 2017 but i still love my gh5 uh just trying yeah. to use it right now um and it just couldn't really work and then black magic pocket is a camera that we've used on our commercials um yeah i think we also use the, i forget which what the step above black magic pocket is i think we've used like an ursa mini pro and, and stuff like that like nice Black Magic makes a really good camera. Um, so yeah. if you're if you're really really like if you've already used your iPhone, if you've already like upgraded to a point and shoot, if you've already upgraded to like a DSLR, and you're finally ready like after those six years or whatever. Black Magic, then I would say get that. But don't start with yep. that. I'm, I'm I completely agree. We have uh, I'm traveling obviously right now, but at the studio we got uh, the 6K G2s, mm. and they are great. Nice. I mean, not every, you know you probably won't need that kind of power right now but uh black magic in general make a sure. great device all around like now most insane blooper or mistake that you've made while on the job uh this is very easy and i am i apologize to dan for it uh every week um not every week but I, I, i'll apologize to him again after this uh goes live <laughs> um we uh used to do a talk that was called sass fest and then it mm -hmm. became recur uh, it was our annual um conference where we had folks come and speak it was great opportunity for us to get interviews and stuff like that dan was running the board for the talk and my whole job basically from that side of things was to set up different cameras around the stage area um and then also record audio mm -hmm. i plugged the uh audio device into the board and I listened to it once and was like, yeah, that sounds good. Hit record, came back to it at the end of the day. Uh, it was completely maxed out, like peaked oh. beyond uh, understand, like you couldn't understand the audio. Um, and so I had to use the audio from the camera. Like one of the cameras are right next to one of the speakers. I probably spent like a week trying to just salvage what I could. We did end up like shipping it out with the like, you know, patchwork audio. Yep. But yeah, Dan worked extremely hard. I had one job and I blew it. We've all been there. And it's the worst. I I, I feel still feel bad. Sorry, Dan. Uh yeah, no, <laughs> I I get it. We've we've all been there. I certainly have. Um I've been recommending this Adobe free product to everyone. Yes, sir. Um, it, I know it, you're it, talking Adobe about. Enhanced. And and you know, I had a situation where I was traveling um just literally a week ago and I was, you know, getting I was starting to roll on the camera. The audio didn't roll. And uh, I had camera audio. And I put it through this thing. It blew my mind. It was it's like insane. I was recording on an SM7. It was insane. So highly recommend. I put these clips through that. I actually uh, put the audio that I was just talking about. I tried to do it. The problem was is like it was peaked. Like it was like. Yeah. 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 It's not going to fix that out. right. But yeah. 
But if it if it's a low level problem or if you got a room sound issue, like this thing fixes that immediately. Yep. No, it's it's. I mean, you can you can hear a little bit of the computer like voice. Yeah, the AI voice. Sometimes yeah. AI voice, but uh, yeah. and it's real. I don't know if you've done it with like two voices. It sometimes blends them, and it's kind of weird. Yeah. I ran something through. I ran something through there with music. I think I can't remember what it was, but I ran, yeah. But it, it thought it was a voice, and you can hear it. Try and figure out, and you hear what the AI voice sounds like on its own, and it's super freaky. It's crazy. Uh, what is the most amazing moment in your career so far? So I mentioned that I uh, have been able to go to like a bunch of different continents uh, thanks to Patrick and his travels and recording interviews on those continents. Um, and. I remember the coolest feeling ever was uh, my favorite place that I went was uh, Iceland. That was very cool. Um, we went to Reykjavik and I saw some amazing sights, stuff like that. But even more weirdly cool uh, than that was when we went to Helsinki. Um, and Helsinki is so far north that at the sun, I think at the time we were there, the um, it was only dark like three hours yeah. out of the day. And I had crazy jet lag, and a lot of what I would do when I, we would go to these different places is I would get footage of the location that we're in. And so at like 1 a.m., I left the place and because I, I, I looked up what sunrise was, and I wanted to get the video of the sunrise. And cool. so I, at like 3 a.m., I'm walking around, walking the streets of Helsinki, seeing the whole place, getting like a bunch of B-roll, um, and it's like bright out. It's it's as it's daytime. Um, it's not like morning, like at like 2am, it's like bright. And so just walking around Helsinki and getting those different, um, that different footage was really cool. I, I did it for like eight hours. Uh, when I got back, I crashed and Patrick and I missed an interview because I slept through the time and I'm very sorry to that person that we, uh, <laughs> missed out on, but yeah, it, it was a very cool experience. Um, and just that whole being able to travel for work, I never thought that's something yeah. I'd be able to do. So it was very cool. That's amazing. That's very, what a yeah. cool moment. Finally, a uh, favorite piece of content or podcast that you're watching or listening to. I just finished it. I don't know if that counts, but I just finished uh, Hail Mary or Project Hail Mary by uh, Andy Weir, um, the audiobook. It's by the same guy, if you're familiar with The Martian, um, yep. same author. Uh, and it, it felt like the, it felt like The Martian, which like The Martian is, um, I don't know if it's one of my favorite movies, but it's like one of my most rewatchable movies where it's just yeah, like it's really, really cool good. to watch yeah. a movie that like the the antagonist is just space. It's not like a person. That's been big for me. Uh, I'm watching Abbott Elementary right now. I try to, when I'm not at work, consume non-work focused stuff. I think yeah. when I listen to like a B2B SaaS like audiobook outside of work, it's just like, feels like work, you know? And yeah. I like my job. I just don't want it to always feel like I'm at my job. And I yeah. think it helps too, to be able to get different perspectives from different stories yeah, and be able to incorporate that into what we're working on. A hundred percent. We should take inspiration, especially from the consumer world, but from everywhere. And the key to that is allowing ourselves that exposure. So couldn't agree more. For sure. And I know, I know we're running long, but there was a, um, I wanted to, I was going to talk about that with like the blank canvas question where it's like, you know, we're looking at what exists out there. Like what is our, we, Disney goes through this when they design a new ride at one of their theme parks where it's their blue sky phase where yeah. they design, they're like, okay, you have unlimited budget. Physics aren't real. Design the coolest ride possible. Yeah. And uh, 
that's where they start. They start like in the start. You shoot for the stars and then you're going to land somewhere in the clouds. And that's still yeah. pretty high up. And so we'll look at like what are different concepts that like what would it look like if we did that show um, and we'll end up somewhere. Obviously, like Protect Oslo is not like we were shooting something like super high. And um, I mean, we were, but uh, I wouldn't say we like broke the you know, mold with that show. It's important not to aim for the bottom. And I think coming from B2B SaaS where the bar is low, I don't think yeah. that gives anyone an excuse to not maintain a, a quality and excellence. I just, I, I just don't. I think in order for us to do our jobs well, like the human beings that we're marketing to, they're all watching Netflix. They're all watching, yep. they're all going to the movies. They know that production value is out there. And so we should seek to, to meet those expectations and move them with great storytelling, but also with great production. Couldn't agree more. For sure. Ben Hillman, Protect the Hustle, legendary. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, where can we follow along with your story and and the show? Tell us where to find everything. For the podcast specifically, if you go to protectthehustle.com, um, mm -hmm. you will find all the episodes, all the write-ups, stuff like that. We're also available um, wherever you listen to podcasts, um, first and foremost. Uh, you know, Paddle Social, stuff like that. We're, we're going to... If you can't find us, something's wrong, and please DM me <laughs> Agree. Um, on Twitter. I'm Slacker Stuffs. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, let me know that it's broken um, and you can't find it. But yeah, we by the time this episode's out, we should be um, serving up new episodes. So come along for the ride. Awesome. Well, I'm very excited for the new episodes. Thank you so much for being on the show. And um, I'd love to have you back sometime. Check in again. I know you work on a lot of shows. Cool. Yeah, thanks so much, Justin. Content Exploder is an Audience Plus production. For more info and to gain access to exclusive content, visit audienceplus.com and subscribe or follow us at Audience Plus HQ on social channels. And don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast.